0: I'm Rabbi Nicole Guzik. And I'm Rabbi Erez Sherman. And, and this, this is Sinai, Sinai Cast.
1: Cast. Catch up with Sinai Temple's latest programs, speakers, exclusive content.
0: candid conversations and inspiring connections. Follow
1: us now. Bringing Sinai wherever you go.
0: Thank you.
1: Rabbi, are, are, uh, are people, com- are, do you have physical uh, presence in the shul yet?
0: We do. 25% they have to be masked and social distanced, but we
1: started. So, How was it? For a couple of Sorry? Well, how was it? Um, it was weird, but it
0: was better than, you know, it was better than just doing it on Zoom. At least you got to see people. Gradually, gradually, I think we'll get by the high holidays. Probably, we'll see. Uh-huh. I hope so. Uh, well. All right, we've started to record, and in a minute, we will uh, actually begin. We're just waiting for more people to join us. Mm-hmm. I want to welcome all of you to uh, an evening with a legendary television um, creator, and uh, and also by the way, the son of a legendary uh, theater creator. Um, there's a legacy here, uh, Abe Burrows, who did among other things, Guys and Dolls, um, and Jimmy Burrows, who has really created um, the modern sitcom that uh, the ones... That we all watched, or depending on your age, either growing up or uh, now you can watch them actually retroactively. Um, but uh, Cheers and Taxi and Friends and uh, Night Court um, and and we were just talking beforehand uh, about Will and Grace, which was a ground making, groundbreaking sitcom not only um, in uh, in the United States but around the world. Um, in its portrayal of uh, gay characters and the way that people thought about gay characters, something that I'm going to ask him about. Um, but all of these, and much more, also directed theater, um, were the handiwork of Jimmy Barrows, who was the creator and producer and director at of various um, of these series at various times. And so, uh, He has graciously consented to give us an hour of his time to talk about television and theater and what's funny and maybe how you break barriers. And so thank you for being here. uh, A pleasure.
1: I'm happy to be with you.
0: So I wanted to start off actually by asking you, when you, you know, there's always a divide in, in, in any art. Are you making art to entertain people or are you doing it to make a point? So I wonder how you think about um, the sitcoms you made, because it's not just that Will and Grace had gay characters. We you think about Taxi, Taxi had like oddball characters that you came to love. And you, the first time you see them, you think of them as oddball, but you don't in the end. Uh, was that part of your design or did you just want to make people laugh? Um,
1: well, I, uh, just to, to clarify, the, the one show I created with the Charles Brothers was Cheers. The other Cheers. show was... The other shows that uh, I did with Taxi and everything like that, I was, I was a resident director on. And our goal was always to make it funny. To, to, if, if you're funny, you can get away with a lot of stuff. And if you're funny, people will watch you. And then you can subtly uh, squeeze in um, soft moments and sweet moments to, make, to humanize the characters. You know, on well, Taxi on Taxi, you had Lotka, who was played by Andy Kaufman, who was really from outer space in a strange kind of way. And but we had they wrote tender moments for him. So he had uh he was, you know, a, a, he was a comic character, but mm-hmm. if you write stuff where he's sweet and nice and uh, has has some feelings and some humanity, uh you you'll you'll draw a lot more people in.
0: Oh, well. So, and when you created Cheers, it seems to me like more than any other show that I know of, it was about the setting as much as the characters, because that idea of to go where everybody knows your name, I think everyone watches that show sort of in their minds, thinks of where that is for them.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting juxtaposition because uh, we did Cheers right after Taxi. The Charles brothers had worked on Taxi and uh, they were the producers of it. And Taxi was a place that everybody wanted to get out of, the Taxi Garage. Everybody had aspirations to leave it. So we decided to do a show where everybody wanted to a place to come to. So we, we, we you know, our, our favorite show three of our uh, the our favorite show that the three of us really loved was Faulty Towers. And, yes. uh, you know, With John Cleese, uh, John Cleese. And uh, we thought about that and do a show in a hotel. Then we said, well, we sh- maybe it would take place in a bar. And then we thought about a bar because that hadn't been done in a while. I, I you know, my, my dad started on a show called Duffy's Tavern, which was about a bar, it was a radio show. So we we did this bar, and then uh, we all love sports, so it became a sports bar, and then we needed a town that was rabbit with its fanhood, and we decided on Boston. So uh, we, I, I, there was probably a little thoughts of uh, doing the antithesis of Taxi and Cheers. But uh, once we settled on that idea, we, we tried to make it, the most beautiful bar in the world because a lot of people in the country don't like bars and don't like alcohol and right. frown upon it. So we tried to make it a place that people would feel comfortable in. Also,
0: you made the most lovable character, I think, that uh, on any sitcom was Coach of uh-huh. the bar. So, so it was hard to not love the bar when Coach <laughs> was the bartender, you know?
1: Oh, he, he was a wonderful, he was a wonderful man. So, um,
0: I know this is an impossible question, but you're the best person in the world to ask it to. What makes something funny? Uh,
1: okay. Um, you don't know. I don't know. I, my, my dad, my dad, who was a writer and a director, used to say, I can't believe I have these here, he used to say, most people see the world this way. I see the world this way. <laughs> so it, it, it's just, it's, you know, the Talmud, I know what's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes. Yeah, it's, but it's, I can learn funny. that.
0: You, you can't learn. Can you learn what's funny? Can you teach someone to be a comedy writer?
1: No, you have to know. You have to have a funny bone. But yeah. uh, I think to learn the Talmud, you also have to be smart. And. Uh, and uh, you know that's and, fair and enough okay it.
0: but so I mean so when you're directing someone did you always know like instinctively if you said the line this way it would be much funnier
1: yes yes okay. I uh, I often say you know because I worked I worked for my dad for a while I was a stage manager and then I was a gopher and uh, I did, you know, I directed stuff in Summerstock and like that. And, you know, I like to say when, especially when I was a kid, my dad used to take me to rehearsal and I would run around in the back of the theater and occasionally watch. But my father was teaching me when I didn't know I was learning. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, he, he taught me, you know, he taught me a lot of that. But instinctually, I was born with a funny bone.
0: Right. I mean,
1: that you, you can't just like you can't make an actor who isn't funny funny. You, you, you can't. You have to see it through the crooked glasses. So uh, are, are actors
0: like, I mean, presumably you're a director. You manage all sorts of different kinds of people. Are actors more sensitive, harder to manage than like the lighting guys or, you know, other people?
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, they are, you know, not, not, not to disparage the lighting guys, but the, the creativity right. level is not the same as an actor and the, right. uh, so, uh, you know, when I started out, it was difficult. I, I didn't have, uh, the, uh, I like to say the cojones to deal, you know, I started working with actors like, I was with Mary Tyler Moore and Cloris Leachman who were, had been around. And young. Yeah. How old were you? Uh, uh, one, <laughs> no, I was uh, my first job was on the Mary Tyler Moore show, <clears throat> and you know they have all the clout, they have all the ability, they have, and they, they have to listen to this pisha. And I try to, yeah. I try to uh, be as creative as possible, and not not to disparage, you know, the work or anything Perfect. like that, and just try to make it as funny as, as I could. And so, you know, actors can be difficult. Uh, At this point in my career, uh, I don't have time for that. You know, if an actor wants to be difficult, uh, move on. You know, Uh, you're you're not on the BEMA anymore. Uh, Do you
0: you think, I mean, television seems so different. We were, we also, we're talking about this for a second beforehand, Um, then from now. Do you think it's better? Do you think it's less good? Do you think the peaks are the same?
1: Uh, you know, as as I always say, uh, when I started out, there were three networks and there were 60 great comedy writers. Now there are 500 networks and 60 great comedy writers. So uh, they're just not, you know, there are shows on the air that would have never gotten on the air 40 right. years ago because they're a figment of what's funny. They're not really in essence what's what's funny. And that's why yeah. there are still only so many shows that are really, really funny. And they can't, I guess,
0: have the concentration of talent that you no. had.
1: No. I mean, when you have a writer's
0: room filled with really good people, what comes out is amazing.
1: Yeah. It, it's it's it, it was amazing too. I used to uh, in the early days i used to sit in the writers room after rehearsal just so i could hear uh yeah. their intent and everything like that because uh, i would I, the next day impart that to the actors but after a while i stopped doing that and decided to make my own intent so uh, uh it, but but it was great and those there were some wonderful writers and just a lot of them in one room at the same time
0: and it's, I mean, it's a very, it's very different making art with an ensemble. It's like you don't, you're not sitting alone in a room painting or you're not sitting alone in a room composing or writing. Uh, and so I wonder if a show didn't come out well and you knew that it wasn't your fault, did that bother you? It's like everybody will see my name on it, but I know that actually this guy didn't do what he was supposed to do.
1: Uh I, I never felt that way. You know, I did a lot of shows in the beginning that were anybody offered me a show and I would do it. Right. And uh I would bring something to the show, but you can only you know, you can only polish a, a pig so much. Right. And uh, it's it's going to it's going to be a pig. And uh uh it, it's um you know, you. but what I did and what I contributed even to those shows that weren't very good got me ahead because people said this kid knows what he's doing. And so what was it?
0: Like, what is it that you're so good at? I mean, I know that like you you, you made some technical innovations in comedy, the number of cameras you used and other things, but what was your, like, what's your gift? What's your greatest gift? I'll put it that way.
1: Uh. Well, I think my greatest gift is being able to uh, unite a cast and have them become a family, because it's my my and this is in the later years. Because you know, it, it started in a little bit with Taxi, and then Cheers, and then after that, uh, it's uh, I, I like to get them to appreciate one another. To, to right. like one another, in, in fact, to, to love, I, you know, and I don't like to use that word, but to love one another. And because if they do that, that will come across the screen to the audience that they see that these people really like one another. You know, although may they have a, you have to have disagreements in a show to tell a story. You can't have everybody happy all the time. You have to have an angry person at some point. or anger is not good in, in sitcom, Frustrated person and it gets ironed out at the end. But that's what I did, you know, that's, I think, because I, the, most of the shows that I've done uh, have been shows with unknown people that you've never seen before. And I have the ability to somehow bring them together in this homogeneous, to become this homogeneous family that uh, the love that they feel for one another comes across. So I, that actually, I wonder if
0: that's true still today. The Cheers people felt like part of your own family. I mean, I, I really did feel, I felt an like unbelievable connection to them. And I watched, I, I watched the whole series more than once. Um, I remember lots of lines from it. And I wonder if that, do people still feel that way today about characters in television?
1: I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, I think they do. Uh, it's just not as many people uh, uh, feel that way about, uh, you know, about there's so many shows that right. people look, people feel strongly about Larry David. They love him. Yeah, and I don't him. know if they feel like he's part of their family if they do. They're a little, well, no, you know. not part of their family. But there are, you know, there are shows that, uh, uh, you know, people uh, do feel like the characters are, are part of their
0: part. Yeah. Of there's, there's it the really, center. it really was,
1: it came through. Yeah. The center, you know, the center of a show, the center of the shows that I did was always the, I call them the windows. That's what the audience looks to, to, uh, get into the show. Uh, like t- Ted was the center uh, Sam Malone was the center. Right. And Judd Hirsch was a center and Eric McCormick was a center and, on friends, you kind of Monica, Courtney's a little bit of the center in the beginning, but then the center uh, divided, and there's six of them. And, uh, uh, you know, I, it's, uh, I, I think there are shows I'm hard pressed to think. For instance, I love The Connors. I don't know if you watch The Connors, which is the, no. it's the show without that Roseanne was Roseanne, and now it's The Connors. Oh, right, right, right. I but you feel I didn't like that. You feel like John Goodman, he could be your okay. friend.
0: That's he's true.
1: A, he's a wonderful actor, and yes. uh, you feel like uh, you you could you could have a beer with him,
0: right? Yeah, that is true. Um, and it was I, I guess also because it was a family you felt that right. way, right? Um, and certainly, certainly, people did feel that way about the Cosbys. Although now that's a <laughs> <laughs> let's let's leave that. Yeah. yeah, it is. yeah. Um, so uh, did you? I mean. Was there um, was there a show that you felt um, when you think back on sitcoms? Was there one that stands out like different in nature, or was the process basically the same with different characters?
1: Uh, the process is basically the same. Yeah. It's just different, uh, you know. I. I uh, the, I, the idea of a show never uh, uh, enchanted me as much as the execution of the idea. Uh, huh. Cheers is a show about people in a bar. Right. It's not the greatest idea in the world, but the execution was great. Right. Uh, you know, friends, six people sitting around a coffee house, the execution. So the only, uh, the, uh, the one high concept show I, I did was Third Rock from the Sun which, uh, you know, has four aliens in it. So yeah. um, that was literally alien to me. And, but I, I did it because uh, I wanted to work with John Lithgow.
0: Um, and when you did Will and Grace, like, did you, did you know, Um, I mean, I think that David and Max had some idea, but did you know that it was going to have such a, social impact, did
1: you feel that? No, no, not at all. I, I uh, you know, I, I'm not a proselytizer. I don't do, I leave that to Norman Lear who was a genius at doing that. I That's never proselytize and the boys, you know, when they wrote that script, they wrote a romantic comedy that, that, that wouldn't be consummated. And uh, we, were, we were surprised. We were surprised. Uh, it was, and and I, I I often tell this story. I, I drove carpool for Maggie Burroughs who uh, did attend Sinai Sinai Religious School. Yes, she did. Yes, mm-hmm. and I drove, and she was thirteen or fourteen, and I would drive on Thursdays, and I would pick up uh, three other kids, and we'd be driving to, to, the, to. At that point, she went to Harvard Westlake. We'd be driving there and uh, after about five minutes, one of the kids, one of her friends would say, what's going to be on Will and Grace tonight? And I would say this and, that. and then I thought about it. I would answer the question. And I, th- I thought about it and I said, my God, you have these young teenage kids who are now watching a, a show about gay people. Right. And they are into the show. This maybe is going to help when they grow up to accept gay people, but we never set out to do them. We just set out to do this romantic comedy that couldn't be consummated and uh, make it as funny as possible, because we knew we knew 25% of the country would probably not watch the show because it had uh, uh, gay people in it. So, And there was probably another 20% that were, were suspect, So we figured if we could get them to watch and just a little bit, just one bit, and it was funny that they would stay, they would continue and that's what happened. We were very lucky. I mean, we didn't break that. Ellen, Ellen broke down the door and we busted through it. Uh, that's how I like to describe it.
0: It's amazing though, part of the lesson is, you know, if you're funny, you can, you can get past people's defenses. In a yes. really powerful way. Um, yes, I guess
1: we, we even. I, I'm sorry. I don't. I hate no, to no, interrupt. No. An, I hate to interrupt the rabbi. Right. But, <laughs> no. There are times, sermon, it. which I wish I could. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we, in fact, we we were so concerned about getting people that the first year, year and a half. We thought we would indicate that Will and Grace would get, you know, Will would take the magic pills and cure his homosexuality, and he and Grace would be a couple. So in the pilot, there's a kiss at the end of the pilot. (laughs) And at the end of the first year, there's a kiss under the chuppah. I think it's a chuppah. Uh, Yeah, I think it is. And uh, so we just did that just to mislead America. Right, <laughs> and it worked.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, and I wonder um, if, like, as it went on, did it then give you the freedom to, once you realized that people were hooked on the show, to, to uh, I mean, did the boundaries get easier?
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. We could get away with a lot of stuff. I mean, that show is outrageous. It's an outrageous show. We say some things on that show because euphemisms are funnier than the actual word.
0: Right. Especially Megan lilly is she's I, I, mean, I the know th-
1: the things she says <laughs> crazy. They're yeah, I mean, they're a lot like Carla. Like Carla was the mean waitress, but she got away with it, you know, because right. it, it was funny. And Megan was funny, but the the, the, the euphemisms and the you know, I like to say that show was, I called it a fairy tale, literally and figuratively. And it's, it, it was amazing what we got away with. And then in the second incarnation, we we dealt a little bit more with being older and being gay, what it's like to be right. older and gay. Because we had them wearing glasses and Will and Grace, you know, we were resigned that they would not get together really but maybe they'd live together and but not romantically so um we we got a lot more poignant in uh, in the second permutation
0: so do you think that it it's harder in some ways to be funny because there's nothing you can't say i mean you can't
1: shock an audience anymore uh no but uh That's why I say the euphemism is 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 so much better than the actual word, right? Because people go, "Oh my God, they thought of that for that word," you know. You you know, we if you if you watch Will and Grace, there are so many euphemisms. It's it's. I mean, I just
0: remember like when Richard Pryor would do his monologues, he would shock you with what he said. But now it's very hard for, I mean, what can a comedian possibly say that would actually shock their audience? Oh, I, I,
1: I have no idea. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I watch, I watch Shameless, mm-hmm. uh, which right. was on, you know, it's a comedy. It's, it's, uh, it was on uh, Showtime and I was shocked.
0: Yeah?
1: Oh, okay. I was shocked. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really funny and really, really really strange
0: are you do you have a hard time watching tv because you're critiquing or do you get lost in it
1: i don't spend a lot of time with busman's Holidays*. i don't i don't watch other shows i watch curb i watch curb and i'll and i'll watch i'm a big sports nut and so i'll watch sports and uh, that's it but i don't watch a lot of uh, uh, situation comedies on television
0: uh, do you do you um is there any part of you that would like to do a, a very different kind of show uh the kind of like extended drama crime sopranos like you ever had a hankering for that yeah
1: <laughs> okay there's right. the answer, there's the answer right. <laughs> you yeah. would end up turning them into if comics? i did a sopranos if i did a sopranos the gun would he fire the gun and a flag would come out and say bang. And I think I would lose all credibility at that point.
0: <laughs> um, is that wait I, wait? I wonder what that is. I wonder what that is about. Uh, I, I remember my uh, my father told me years ago that there was some Yiddish saying, Who is a hero? The one who suppresses a wisecrack. Um, I think you know, like the ability to not tell a joke is really hard sometimes. I know, I mean,
1: I can't, you know. And sometimes yeah. you regret opening your mouth, but you know, I get graded at the table by my wife, you know, <laughs> you, you know, and it's and my daughters too. Oh, bad, you know, and it's. Uh, but um, I, yeah, I, but I that's a
0: score, right? If you tell a really bad joke, that's
1: that's a score
0: oh god same with mine so um so in, in in directing on stage is it a very different experience from doing television uh
1: yeah yeah i mean in a theater uh, although the shows i do are actually theatrical shows uh, they they're done in, a, in on a on a set in a proscenium like a theater <clears throat> and the, you know, the audience laughs and the actors wait for that right. but in a, in a, in a, th- a theatrical production, you, you, there are no cameras. So you have to be aware where the audience focus needs to be in a sitcom on television. You can edit it and, uh, right. you put the, uh, the audience focus exactly where it should be. So it's a lot, it's a lot different.
0: And do you prefer television?
1: I do i do i prefer being able to do a show in a week and get a result i i it's it's so much it's so much more gratifying that way
0: and you've done so much is there anything that you still want to do that you haven't been able to do
1: uh no i i i you know it's i'm getting to the point now where i uh I, i don't do a lot i just did a pilot with uh Alec Baldwin and Kelsey Grammer, huh. uh, which was really funny. And, sure. uh, you know. Can we ask uh, what it's about? It's about uh, two guys who reunite after many years being apart, both pompous asses.
0: By the way, that's a really uh, wonderful show, the show with Alan Arkin and Michael Douglas. I don't know if you've seen it.
1: Kaminsky uh, Math.
0: Yes, Kaminsky Math.
1: Yeah, that, one is,
0: that one is done really
1: I know. That's but funny. That's no audience. That's uh, right. Yeah. Oh, this is with an
0: audience. The Baldwin? yeah. Oh, yeah. Kelsey
1: and Alec are with an audience. Yeah. That sounds. Yeah, I mean, I I can imagine them
0: both being pompous. Um, <laughs> playing pompous. That would be. I can. I think that would be great. When does it? Uh, when
1: does it come out? I don't know. We're waiting to hear. Uh, so do you get excited still? Like, yeah, you... I get excited when the audience comes in.
0: Yeah.
1: I get it, you know, and I get, I get excited because, you know, a little bit during the work week, uh, because the, the writers write and they give me the script and then I block the actors, move the actors around the script. And so the writers will come down and see it. So I get a little excited for them to see what we've done on stage. It's such a writer's It's such a writer's driven medium that. For us, as, as the actors and the director, to to feel naches is to is to be able to show them and to contribute to the script, and with an occasional joke or an occasional uh, sight gag, something like that. It 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 it, it perks your um, it perks your spirit just, up. How
0: good are you at judging? your own work in terms of the audience? Like, do you know this episode is really going to hit? And are you usually right? Um,
1: it, it, well, yeah, I mean, on shows that are already successful, most of the shows hit. Uh, mm-hmm. When I do pilots, when I did the pilot of Cheers, um, we thought we had a good show, And uh, always on Pilots, which is the first show of a series, uh, I bring in an audience uh, four days before we shoot the show. And on this show, uh, on Cheers, I brought in an audience and it was mainly uh, Seabees from uh, Camp Pendleton, Marines. And uh, I I looked at at, at Glenn Charles and I said, oh my God, this doesn't bode well. And they, they started to laugh a little bit and then Norm entered and they went through the roof. And uh, so I knew then, then they got engaged in the characters. And then I knew I knew it on the Friends pilot. I knew in on the Will and Grace pilot. I knew it on the Third Rock pilot. I knew that, you know, that's the best thing you can do is to bring an audience in before because the audience can tell you where it's lagging, whether they like characters, whether they like some jokes, you can always change the jokes. So, um, you know, those, those are the moments I remember. So why are Jews funny? Why are Jews funny? Yeah. Because they pay the audience to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the kind of thing you can't say on television. I know, um, or on a Zoom call. on a Zoom call. They've, uh, they've always been funny. I don't know why. Why are yeah. they good with money? Uh, I, I,
0: some aren't. Uh, believe me, I can introduce you to some who aren't. Um, I know, but some but Jews aren't funny either. Some, some Jews aren't funny. Um, but it's really, I mean, is it still the case? Are comedy writers and so on, do you find a lot of them are still Jewish or is that fading?
1: Uh, I think that's fading. Because yeah. there are, you know, there are so many venues now. After a while, you run out of funny Jews, you know? Yeah. Uh,
0: (laughs) You run out of funny Jews. (laughs) That's a funny line. Um, But there are still, I I mean, like I hear this even from, obviously they grow up in Los Angeles, but I think it's true all over. There's still so many people who want to be in the entertainment industry at, at like so many different levels. So when you get approaches, I'm sure you must. Like, give me advice, what do I do? How do I, you know, how do I get there? What's your best advice for people? Uh,
1: I, this is what I say. Um, uh, knock on every door you can possibly knock on to get in. Get in any way you can, as a gopher, as, uh, as, uh, as a runner, as, as an assistant, as a writing assistant get in because if you're around a set stuff will happen to you you'll maybe be asked to pick up an actor so you make a a connection that way once you're there and you want to do something like direct or write or something like that make sure that when you want to do that you're ready to do that right don't Don't go, you know, getting your foot in the door is not that difficult. Getting that opportunity before you're ready is, you're dead. Getting the opportunity when you're ready is a blessing. And so don't shoot for the moon till you're ready till you build your rocket ship. And then because you don't get that many opportunities to show your wares.
0: No, it's, a, it's such a competitive business that I, I'm sure you're right that if you, don't, if you don't take advantage at the time, you're not going to try you again. No. We'll go on to the next guy. Um, has the position of women changed dramatically inside the entertainment industry since you
1: began? Yes. Yes, absolutely. There are a lot more women directors. Uh, there are a lot more women writers. Uh, actors and actresses have always been the same uh, and there are a lot more women on the crew cameramen lighting lighting people and stuff like that so yes
0: and, and what been, about, i was going to ask about diversity in general and color too
1: uh, well that's a big thing now networks want that there's a big push for diversity and it's uh it's it's required now the, the 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 pilot I did had to have a diverse crew. The one I just did, so you know they're, they're reaching out to uh, to, uh, uh, to to blacks, to Asians, to Latinx to to be on your crews.
0: And um, is it? I mean, I, I assume that that's, that can't be easy because there may not be the people there. With the skills in whatever group that you need, so presumably there must be a lot of recruiting now um, going on. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's you know it 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 was it's tough because I've had I have a camera crew that I've worked with for twenty five years, and they, um, you know, I like to use them. They make my life easier, and uh, but now there's uh, a there's a uh, a quest to make it much more diverse. So,
0: okay, somebody asked the question, which is actually kind of an interesting question. If there was somebody who, somebody who you never worked with, who's, they said who's no longer living, although I'd be curious to know both. Someone, is there a living actor um, or, or also from the past who you would most want to work with? If you could like some, summon someone up from the grave and, 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 and shoot, a, shoot a pilot with them, who would it be?
1: Wow. Uh, probably uh, oh, uh, Cary Grant. Yeah, huh? Talking He could of be you. funny. Yeah, he He's, could be very funny. He was very funny, but yeah. you didn't know it till till he started making the comedy. Right. Uh, he he would. I would. I would love to work with him, but I'm not sure he'd do a sitcom. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any living
0: actor that you haven't worked with that you've really always said that that, that, that person would be fun to work
1: with? Uh, wow. Uh, uh, oh, God. Mm, I don't
0: know. I wonder if there are any foreign actors, for example, who... Uh,
1: I'd love to work with Gerald Depardieu. Yeah. He's a friend a wonderful French actor Yes. and uh, uh, I, I would love I, I love his his he's burly like this and I think he's, he has this huge physical presence right yeah he's really funny
0: yeah um, yeah I could actually see that that he could be incredibly funny but he's yeah uh, what do you, I mean I, I know that you can't exactly tell us but what is it about the fact that there are some people who, when they show up on camera, you just have to look at them? What is, what is that quality? I mean, and can you spot that? Do you know it before they get on camera? Do you see an actor like in person and say, if I put that person on camera, you're going to have to look at them?
1: Uh, and it's just a star quality. It's just, yeah. a, it's a, it's a gift. The pilot I did, I did Be Positive. Anna Lee Ashford, who plays the girl on Be Positive, has that face you just want to look at. Huh? You know, you don't. Yeah, there, are certain faces. Uh, uh, Leo, Leo DiCaprio has a great face, and yeah. that's why they they become movie stars because they have that they have that glint.
0: Yeah, it's an amazing thing to see. Um... And and do they have it? Do they always have it in person, or there, do you have you worked with actors that come alive on the camera but off
1: camera or not?
0: Uh, you don't have to give me examples. I'm just curious.
1: No, usually because uh, uh, you audition actors, so uh-huh. you can see. You know, they're gonna they're gonna turn on their charm when they're auditioning, especially in the shows that I do, which are mainly you have unknown you have unknown actors. So you you're not gonna get the part unless you. Unless you really. form in a room for me and the writers.
0: You know, I remember in, um, I think it was uh, La La Land, where they had a scene where they, where they showed someone doing various auditions and that they were really cut, you know, in a sort of brutal way. And I think I didn't realize until that moment, which I suppose sounds stupid, but the truth is, I'd never really thought about acting. Um, how incredibly exposed and vulnerable you are as an actor when you audition for someone. And, and it does take an enormous amount of courage or self-confidence or denial or whatever it is to be able to do that.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, when people talk to me about wanting to be actors, I say, you gotta have a hearty stomach. And you got to, the best thing to do is think your talent that people didn't see your talent when they mm. said next or thank you, you know. Right. And and again, it could be that you're acting and you're in the you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, I often yeah. talk about uh, you know casting, uh, which there's a lot of luck involved in casting. Um, when I did the pilot for Friends in '94 it was, I was already doing four pilots and I read this script and I said, I have to do this show. And it was the last pilot I did at the end of pilot season. And those six actors were available. Mm, Really? You know, I'm sure they had read for other stuff. Right. You know, they had been walked into offices and been told next, but those six were available. And uh, that's what happened. So there is a lot of luck involved.
0: And, and also, I mean, I think anybody who doubts that talent can override almost anything just has to see Louie in Taxi. Because if you look at this guy, you would think this guy will never ever be an actor, right? If he walked into the room and said, I want to be an actor, dad, you know? If you were a good father, you would say, choose something else, right? <laughs> it's, not it's not gonna work for you, but he's, I, I, he's amazing.
1: He's just amazing. So. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he he came in to read for taxi and he walked in the door, he threw the script on the table, and he said, Who wrote this crap? He did, he said that. And that was he was Louie. He was being Louie. That's you know, Danny DeVito, for those of you who don't know the don't
0: know Louis.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he was Danny DeVito, who's, you know, a wonderful director too.
0: I mean, it's just, it, it really is, it, it's a, it's an abject lesson in if you're really, really gifted, then it will come through. Um, and other things won't block you because as you said, you know, anyway, so that, that's, I always thought of him as a, as a wonderful model. It's just like, it's just like the, you know, when I was growing up, Calvin Murphy, then there are some others too, who was like five, eight, and you thought this right. guy's never going to make an NBA, but he could, he was amazing. Um, he was, he was just incredibly gifted. So, uh, and I'm sure there have been a couple of other NBA players also of, uh, who have been like your height and my height, but they still play in the NBA. I know. No figure. Um, not, by the way, Jewish.
1: None of them. <laughs> Just <laughs> want to yeah, make that. Wait a make minute. that when I used uh, to watch the Knicks, when I used to watch the Knicks in New York City, uh, half the team was Jewish.
0: Yeah, there was a time.
1: There Max Oswowski. Was Jewish, you know, there were three three or four of them. Yes.
0: Matt Holman before them, or early on in basketball. Right. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. And wasn't Dolph Shays? I think he was. Dolph
1: yeah, Syracuse. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah.
0: he was Jewish.
1: So so I take it back.
0: I take it back. Um, So just just two more questions, if I can, and then uh, we will let you. Get back to your evening and to your family um so the first is uh the um if you're watching television like when you speak to to a writer and you say to them how should i read i mean most people when they're watching television just watch it is there anything like that you think people could look for that would enhance their experience any ways they could watch actors that they would learn more about
1: Watching, I mean, is there any like professional tips on how to watch? Um, uh, it, it's hard because uh, when the show gets to television, they've taken the best takes of the actor, of all the actors and put them together. With the best thing to do is if they can go observe or watch when they're shooting, you can see a director mold a performance, but once it's on, once it's on the film, they've taken the best uh, performances and put them all together to tell a cohesive story. So that's, that, that would be difficult.
0: And and do you think um, like, it's a very divisive time. Do you think that, that Television has a role, entertainment has a role in healing us. And do you think it can to some extent? Are there shows that can bring us together? I mean, there used to be. Could there be Uh, now?
1: I I certainly hope so. I mean, it's just so crazy now. It's so civil war now. And uh, I would hope there are shows that can bridge the gap. I mean, funny, you know, funny, you know, makes both sides laugh, but I don't know if it does anything to bring them together. I, I'm I'm not sure. I I keep my fingers crossed. But maybe uh, one one of the things your your shows were about.
0: I this is a strange phrase, but they were about regular people, and that actually was a good thing. I mean, like there was no, and and you didn't condescend to them, like. Cheers and Taxi, and they were really they were like about America, um, so th- that that I think is kind of a hopeful thing that that people could identify with, and and obviously um, Will and Grace, even though Will and Grace funny it was a different class, I guess, than Cheers and Taxi, which I never really thought about. Um,
1: yeah, they seem they yeah. seem wealthier. <laughs> they well, yeah. Except for Jack, except for yeah. Jack, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. It was a different time. Cheers was in a different time, and uh, you know, people talked to one another. Then, far, you know, there was. We were careful though. We never did political stuff on Cheers, ever. We never did topical stuff either. Right. Uh, we we you know we did Kierkegaard jokes, and Schopenhauer jokes. But we, we never did, uh, we never did Democrat, Republican or anything like that. And- uh, well, who, does, who doesn't love a good Schopenhauer joke? Yeah. <laughs> and we never did, we never had a priest and a rabbi walk into the bar.
0: I mean, like, there, were, there were imperishable moments, like when Sam and Diane went into the back office and said to coach, we don't want to be disturbed. And he said, who does? And I never forgot that. I thought that was like because a billion times I've heard people say, I don't want to be disturbed. And I would never thought nobody wants to be disturbed. Obviously, um, those kinds of moments, though, they, they stick your mind and they do actually make. Uh, I don't know. They just they, they make a difference. I said that was the last question, but I guess it wasn't the last question. Someone said Tip O'Neill. Um, so oh, it yeah. was a difference.
1: But it was, it was a non, non-political and believe it or not, we didn't do a lot of guest stars on Cheers. We had a, Tim O'Neill was our casting director the first year. His mother was Tip O'Neill's secretary. Wow. And we, you know, we, we reached out to him. He was in Palm Springs. We reached out to him and we said, you know, you're in Boston would you like to, uh, would you like to do the show? And he said, sure. So if you'll notice, he sits next to Norm
0: yeah. in
1: the bar, and it's the yeah. only time there was ever a stool there because that's, that was a waitress station. That's where uh, Carla and Diane right, came the right. stool there, and uh, but we never, was no politics. Uh, we had Gary Hart on, but uh, again, mm-hmm. it was, you know, it, it, it was uh, not political.
0: Tip O'Neill was all politics are local. Yeah. And it was very, and it was your local place. So. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. This was really wonderful, and uh, I, I, I just, you know, I said to my daughter um, beforehand, I said, told her that I was going to interview you, and I said, is there anything you want to ask him or say to him? She said, no, just thank him for all the time that he made me laugh. So, um, oh, I think absolutely. we all want to say yeah.
1: that. Will you give her? Will you give her my best? I will. I and, absolutely uh, will. You know, it's uh, and yeah. and continue, Rabbi. Continue to be funny. And, and if <laughs> you need you. props, if you Thank need you. props, you know, a <laughs> seltzer bottle. Exactly. Um, That's right. A chance <laughs> to, to, a sp- dance a to spray stuff. at
0: the congregation. Right? Yes, yeah, spray the
1: congregation. I mean. Just, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And Thank uh, you, and to
0: you. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And thank you, Jimmy Barros, um, for all the times you've made us laugh.
1: Thank Good you. Good night, Rogers. everyone. Good night.